0: Hey, you are tuned into the Bold Church Podcast. My name is Yasmin Ruhi. I am one of the lead pastors here. We're so excited that you can join us for today's talk. We hope it blesses you. We hope it encourages you. And if you find it useful, go ahead and send it to someone else whose day you can bless. If you want to join us, we meet live every Sunday morning. If you want to find out our times or where we're meeting, head to our website at bold.church or head to our Instagram at boldchurch.com. SV. Thank you so much and enjoy today's talk.
1: Good morning, good morning. If you can, can you guys hear me in the mic? It's a big Sunday, got a lot of people here today, got nine baptisms, come on, give it up for that. I want to begin by asking you a question, what do you say when you talk to yourself? You do talk to yourself, right? Everyone does. Yeah. But what do you say? I'm not talking about run this errand or, or do this or do that. I'm talking about what do you say? What's the negative self-talk that you have with yourself? How do you talk to yourself when no one's around? What's that thing that you repeat yourself over and over and over again? And unfortunately for the vast majority of us, our self-talk is negative. That's why in the mornings when you're on the highway, it almost feels like COVID traffic is gone. It's the same as it was before. And you're not driving around like, oh my gosh, everyone is such a good driver. You're cursing people down. That's why when you look at your bank account, you think, man, I, I'm never gonna break free. I'm never gonna be set free from this. That's why when you look at your relationships, you, you wonder, man, am I ever gonna find someone? Am I ever gonna get a child? The negative self-talk. That's why when you have a full day's worth of work and you finish half of them, man, I didn't do anything today. Or if you're anything like me, oh my goodness. I do one mistake and I don't give myself grace. It's okay. Oh, you idiot. How could you possibly do that? And the way you talk to yourself matters. It's so important you understand this. The book of Proverbs says it like this. Be careful how you think. Think about what you're thinking about. Why? Because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Your life moves in the direction of your thoughts. It's called the law of cognition. And it's this four step process. What you think determines what you believe. And what you believe determines how you feel and how you feel determines what you do. Your life is shaped. If you want a different life, change the way you think. So often we want to change our behavior. God says, no, 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 no. Change the way you think and change the way you live. Uh, the great theologian and pastor Paul David Tripp says it like this, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. My question for you is, how do you talk to yourself? What do you say? They you him, bow your heads and close your eyes. God, thank you so much for today. I pray, Lord, Well, this morning, God, would you speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would not be conformed to the pattern of this world, this negative, sinful, negative self-talk. But, God, we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. God, help us think on on you, what's true and pure, right and God-honoring. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Can we get up for Jesus real quick? Come on. In our first week of collection talks, we talked about depression, and that 20% of the room deals with depression. And last week, it was about anxiety, and that the fact that 60% of the room is overwhelmed, is anxious, and they just have overwhelming thoughts of despair. Today, I want to talk about negative thoughts, and this is why it's so important that 80%—80% of the thoughts that we think on a daily basis are negative. 80% of the thoughts that we think are negative, negative. and what makes it worse listen, that 95% of the thoughts that you think today are repeated from yesterday. So you don't, you don't just say, oh my gosh, I'm not cute. Nobody wants me. What you're really saying is you said that yesterday and you said that the day before and you said that the day before that. And really what I want to do is I want to lay a foundation of, of a theology that will help you. And it begins with this, that your thoughts have incredible power. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're, you're more powerful than you think. Turn to the other day, but you forsake and say, you're more powerful than you think. Your, your thoughts are moving in the direction of your thoughts. That's why in the Old Testament, God tells Joshua, meditate on the word of God day and night because your thoughts determine your life. That's why in the book of Proverbs it says, think about what you're thinking about. That's why in the book of Romans in the New Testament it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your life, your, the power of your life is determined by the power of your thoughts. And often what we don't realize is when we get stuck, when we begin this negative cycle, we get stuck there. Which brings my second point is this, you have incredible power over your thoughts. You're not a victim. You get to choose what you want to think about. You get to pick, you get to think about what you're thinking about. That's what the book of Romans says it like this in Romans chapter 8. Those who live according to the flesh, someone say the the flesh, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. Let me just tell you what's going on. This is, the Bible says the word flesh, it's not talking about skin, by the way. That word flesh is a spiritual word. It's talking about the, the, the sinful nature. But the book of Romans says that don't focus on the flesh. Don't focus on your sinful desires. Why? Because that's the part of you that doesn't want to obey God, doesn't want to listen to God, doesn't want to uh, obey God's commandments. And often we think when we break God's commandments, we don't realize it actually breaks us. God And Paul is saying, dude, the way that you think determines the way that you live. And then he continues: the mind governed by the flesh is death. Someone say is death. Amen. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And Amen. some of you in this room, you are overwhelmed. With depression, you are overwhelmed with anxiety. You are overwhelmed with negative thoughts. You are overwhelmed with brokenness and negativity. And what Paul is trying to say is, you're focused on the world. You're focused on the flesh, instead of being focused on the Spirit of God and what the Spirit wants to do. Because when you think about godly things, like at Colossians chapter three, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. When you do that, you have life and peace. You got to break the negative cycle. Amen. What I want to do this morning, I want to give you three things to help you break the negative cycle. The first is simply this. Is how do you, do you understand how toxic negativity is? And then we have this question we have in our culture is, what's your toxic trait? What's your toxic trait? I want to ask the question, what's your toxic thought? And then I want to teach you how to break the negative cycle. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this question down. I want to begin with this question. Why is negativity so toxic? And it's really because negativity influences you more than positivity. Now, you can have the best day in the world, the best vacation, the best day, and one thing goes wrong. And instead of focusing on all the good, your mind focuses on that one negative thing. It's called negative bias. Psychologists define it like this. A negative event imprints on our brain more quickly and linger longer than the positive one. That's so why I can ask you, what, was your, what were the, all the jobs that you had? And you can name all of them, and you might forget a few, but you all remember that job you got fired from. I can ask you, what was your favorite date? And you may not forget your, your best one, but you remember that one relationship where it broke up ugly. Because we remember the negative more than we do the positive. That's why many of you have ever had to give a public talk. You had to do it in school or in work. You prepared, you studied, you practiced it, and then you got up there and three of your friends are like, oh my gosh, good job. And that one ratchet person like, you're not very good at that. <laughs> and what do you do? You don't focus on the positive, the three people that gave you high fives. You remember that one person and said, don't ever do that again. Why? Because negative things impact us more than the positive. And the problem is that we can't avoid the negative. We can't avoid, avoid setbacks and deaths and not getting the promotion and, and not getting married and, and not having the baby. Negativity is part of our world. We're in this broken and simple world. The problem is not the negative. The problem is how you respond to the negative. What do you do when life doesn't go the way that you want? And the Bible doesn't talk about this, but scientists are now discovering that when you experience stress, when you are overwhelmed, your brain releases this thing called cortisol. And it helps you overcome negativity. It helps you overcome stressful situations. Cortisol gives you focus. It gives you attention. It allows you to solve your problem. The problem is when you think a negative thought. Listen, it's easier to think that negative thought again. So when one person breaks up with you, everyone wants to break up with you. When you miss out on that job promotion, you'll, you think in your mind, I'll never get that job promotion. That's why the, the Apostle Paul says it like this, the mind governed on the f- by the flesh, by the negativity, by the negative thoughts, is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And what happens when most of what you see online is negative, most of what your friends say is negative, most of what you say to yourself is negative, most of what you hear on the news, the songs that you sing, the, the TV shows that we watch, when the focus is negative, what you're actually teaching yourself is to think negative thoughts. And almost like when you walk along a path, and there may be grass there, and you keep walking, and you keep walking, and it kills the grass. And now there's a path. It's embedded. You're doing that to your brain. You're embedding negativity. I wrote down like this, negativity can become a habit. You don't even realize it. Why? Because negativity impacts you more than positivity. Think about it. The mind governed by the flesh is death, the news you consume, the shows that you watch, the lyrics to the music, you play it over and over and over again, and it creates this inner script, you're not good enough. You shouldn't be friends with those people. You should be angry at these people. I mean, almost once a week I'm making fun of the Laker fans. I'm trying to help you. Those are good things. But there are other thoughts that you're just constantly consuming, wondering, why am I always on edge? Why am I always angry after watching that show? Because you're teaching yourself to be angry all the time. So my question for you this morning is, what's your toxic thought? What's that thing that you tell yourself every single day? You don't even realize it. Because the reality is 80% of our thoughts in this room, every one of us, is negative. And 95% of the thoughts that we think, we thought the day before. Doctors will tell us that if you take all the negative thoughts that we have in our life, they basically fall in four different categories. I call them the four henchmen of negativity. In the book of Revelations, there's four henchmen. Some of you love the book of Revelations. You're weird. We love you, though. There's four <laughs> horsemen of the apocalypse. Red horse, the white horse, the pale horse, and I think the red horse, we're we'll going to be preaching on it in August. It's going to be awesome. But there are four categories of negativity. What I want you to do is self-identify. If none of them are you, you have all of them. <laughs> You're just a negative person. <laughs> Trying to help you out. Someone say, name your nemesis. nemesis. Doctors say, if you can't name your problem, you'll never overcome your problem. The first one is this relational cynicism. Relational cynicism. This is where you judge people and their motives. No one cares about you. No one wants to be your friend. You always question people. You just dress up to look good at church. You don't really care about Jesus. You you don't really want to be my friend. And you're constantly judging people, questioning their motives. And what doctors say is that when you project this negativity, it's actually a reflection of your heart. Come on, let's go there. I'm going to let someone else come after you. And your booty can go, "Mm," for another sermon. But this is a reflection of you. The reason why you question the motives of others is because you question your own motives. So you project. And when someone is hurt, when they have a negative experience, what they don't realize is when someone breaks up with you, and someone's not nice to you, you assume everyone's that way. Oh, I went to this church this one time, and no one wanted to be my friend, so now every church, no one wants to be your friend. There was that, there was that one time you went to a new school, and it was difficult for you to find a, a new friend to sit with, and now no one wants to be your friend. And so you assume everyone is negative because you had one bad experience. Someone say, name your nemesis. And the second one is called negative filtering. It's where you see the positive, but you choose to ignore it. Doesn't matter if you go on vacation, doesn't matter if you go to a new restaurant, doesn't matter if you hang out with new friends, you only see the negative. You may spend a week in Hawaii, this beach, that restaurant, surf here go snorkeling there, and one bad restaurant experience, that's all you remember. And when you have negative filtering, the positive is there, you just choose to overlook it. So your spouse is 30 minutes late, you go, oh my gosh, she's cheating on me. Oh my gosh, I texted my friend four hours ago, he hasn't texted me back, what did I do wrong? You're always looking at the negative, you're always assuming the worst, because the lens in which you see the world is negative. Someone say, name your nemesis third one is called absolute filtering. Absolute thinking, excuse me. This is where you make everything one extreme or the other. It's either black or white. It's either you're all in or you're all out. Someone could have a hundred good qualities, and if they voted the wrong way, you're done with them. (laughs) This is the the basis of cancel culture, by the way. This is when people do this in relationships. One man cheats on you, and all men are pigs. One woman lies to you, and you can't trust any dames. Come on. One boss overlooks you. Now every boss is seen in the negative light. Because now it's extreme. What's true of one is true of everyone. And so often Christians do this. You, you have relatives who, who don't know Jesus. They, they vote different than you. They, they live differently than you. And because you think you're right, you give yourself the license to, to be a jerk. Listen, just because you're right doesn't mean you're righteous. It's another sermon, by the way. We won't go there. Someone say, name your, name your nemesis. This last one is probably the one that's most pervasive in our culture. It's called blaming. Blaming is what the social justice movement is all about. So, I, I, I don't have a career. I don't have a home. I don't have these things because of the, the gender I have or the color of my skin. Instead of taking responsibility for your actions in your life, you blame other people for what you don't have. And yet although there were slaves in this country for almost 200 years, let me tell you, the Jews were in slavery for 400 years. No one has been more persecuted. They've had two genocides against them, and yet they are 1% of American population. They have 20% of the wealth because they don't play the victim game. They don't blame others for their lack. They don't blame others for what they don't have. They take responsibility, and people who blame say, oh, I don't have what you have because I didn't have the parents that you had. I didn't go, go to that school. Instead of saying, do you work hard? Do you take care of yourself? Do you know how to run a budget? It's easier to blame than take responsibility. You uncomfortable yet? So the question I have for you this morning is this. If you find yourself constantly jealous, critical, discontent, assuming the worst about others, being hard on yourself and other people, negative about every situation, the question is, can you change? i got to be honest with you. It's actually very difficult to break the negative cycle. It's a TED talk that they did recently where they had this imaginary new medical procedure. It's so on the screen. And in this medical procedure, it was a, it was a total fake thing, but they, they wanted to run this experiment. So they brought two groups of people in. In one group, they talked about 70% of the time this thing is positive. They, they, they showed that this thing is going to change your life. This is going to reduce all the pain it's going to help you you're going to live a totally different life 70% success rate in the second group though they only spoke about the negative you're going to go on a unibrow you're going to get hair on your back you're going to on a sixth toe crazy stuff and they on purpose spoke only in the negative about the second procedure and they said it's a 30% failure rate obviously what do you think the first group's going to say when they ask them is this a good procedure they said it's good and obviously the second group, because they, they spoke down about it, they, they described it in a negative way, of course they're going to say negative, bad. That's not the purpose of this experiment, though. That's called priming, by the way. That when you are a salesperson and you want to sell something, don't talk about the negative. We've all fallen that trap. We've been tricked. We all know. The medical industry does it all the time. That's not the purpose of this experiment. The purpose of this experiment is, can your mind change? Can you go from positive to negative? And the better question is, when you're stuck in the negative, can you go back to positive? See, most of you don't realize how negative you are. It's become the default way that you interact with people. One friend in high school betrayed you, and now for 10 years you've had trouble trusting the next person. One pastor said something mean to you, and you're always on the outskirts of church, not wanting to trust. One boss betrayed you. Now all bosses are bad. And the negativity has become a lifestyle. And you haven't broken out of it. In the second group, in the first group, where they talked about the success, they went back to them and said, actually, you might grow a unibrow if you do this. You might grow hair on your back, sixth toe. Even though there's a 70% success rate, there are some dangers. And that first group went from good, they became negative. Now, the question is, the negative group, could they become positive? Could you break out of the negative cycle? They talked it up. They preached it up. They talked about all the benefits. And unfortunately, they stayed bad. And that's what the title, That's why the title of today's talk is Breaking the Negative Cycle. Because many of you are in this cycle of negativity. You don't trust. You question the motives of people. You cut people out of your life because they voted differently than you. Not realizing you're blaming other people for your mistakes because you're in this negative cycle because negativity impacts you and it lingers longer than positivity. And that was my introduction. (laughs) Y'all ready for God's word? It was long, I apologize, but we had to do it. So whether you're good or you're hood, I want to help you this morning, amen? First Samuel chapter 30. Let me give you the context. This is David, someone say David. David, is a, the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. This man at the age of 13, he's one of eight brothers. He is anointed king of Israel at the age of 13. He's got the calling, but listen, he doesn't have the title. God may call you something, but you got to earn it with man. you got to earn your trustworthiness. So he's got the, the calling of a king, but he doesn't earn it. From the age of 17 to 30, this man is on the run. His boss is trying to kill him. And this man can't even live in Jerusalem anymore, so he has to live in zigzag. Zigzag is is where all the Laker fans live. It's where all the Raider fans live. I'm preaching the gospel here. Come on now. Talk about it. You wouldn't want to invite these guys over to dinner. Let's just say that. The Bible actually describes them as depressed, in debt, and I believe distressed. And David loves these 300 men. Leads them all to Christ. These men that society rejects, David loves and he forms a new city called Ziglag, and he lives there. And David, because he's a fugitive, because the king of Israel wants to kill him, he he can only do what he does best. He's got muscle, so he goes around to cities, almost like a mafia hitman, offering protection. I'll protect you. You gotta give me this grain, a few cows, a chicken, a partridge, and a pear tree—all these things that I, I want. And one day they're out doing muscle work, protecting another city, and when they come back, watch what happens. They they being these other criminals attack. Ziglag, that's where David lived with his 300 men, and burned it. They had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziglag, they carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and their sons And daughters had taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. And honestly, that's where many of you are in this room. You're overwhelmed. You're discouraged. You got a smile on your face, but on the inside, you're dying. And no one knows that you cry at night. No one knows the the burden of life, the burden of your family, the, the lack of finances, and you're suffering. And you lack strength. I'm telling you, life is not, following Jesus does not promise a life of no problems. Negativity is coming. The question is, what will you do when it comes? Because it's so easy to live in there. Watch what David does. David was greatly distressed. Someone say distressed. He's overwhelmed. His cortisol is running, he's, he's, he, he's overwhelmed with anxiety, depression, it's hitting him why because the men were talking about stoning him this isn't california stoning by the way okay this is a different kind this is like with real rocks okay and watch what it says each one was bitter some would say bitter imagine from david's perspective he loved these men when no one else wanted them for 10 years he was their boss for 10 years he was good to them and in one event they all turned their back on him how would you respond some of you, you lose your cool if one friend betrays you. Imagine if 300 of your friends betray you. Imagine the self-talk David has. I'm such an idiot. Why did I do that? I never do anything right. God, why did you bring me here? Why do I always fail, God? You, you promised me this, God, but nothing ever in my life works out. And I promise you the negative talk started coming in. Because the Bible literally says he was distressed. The yeah. question is, what do you say when you talk to yourself? Because 80% of our thoughts, unfortunately, are negative. And 95% of our negativity, we thought the day before. So I promise you, David's like, this has happened before. I knew I'm not, I'm not good enough, God. I don't know why you think I should go to church. So David found strength. Someone say strength, strength. In the Lord his God. Notice he didn't go to crystals. He didn't go to his horoscope. He didn't smoke or drink strength. He went to God. Some of you need to go to God. I love, I love the way the New King James translation is, translate this verse because it, it more encompasses what David's actually doing. 1 Samuel 30 verse 6 in the New King James translation it says this, but David encouraged himself. Some will say encouraged. encouraged. The Hebrew word is entheos, which literally means in. God, when you're discouraged, when you're depressed, when you're overwhelmed, you got to go into God. you got to go into God. When the world is collapsing around you, when everything you watch on social media is negative, when everything around your friends is gossiping, when the world is toxic and everyone wants to cancel culture, the question is, will you conform to the patterns of this world or will you do something different? Oh Amen. And the question I want to ask you is, what did David pray when he was in the prayer closet? Because I want to pray that prayer. Don't you? Anyone want to pray that prayer? I got good news and bad news. We don't know what he prayed. Good luck with that. But we do know this is not the only time David was overwhelmed in his life. For 13 years, this man had... Was overrun, he had obstacles, he had pain, and we know the recordings and the prayers that he prayed in the other situations. So many theologians say, well, if he prayed that there, then he must have prayed this over here. Yeah. Can I show you how David prayed? Yes, Psalm 103, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Someone say, My soul. My soul. Someone say it loud, so, my, my soul. You know what David's doing? David's looking inward. All right. This is self talk. He's not talking to his friends. He's not telling a congregation. He's looking inward. He goes, I know life is overwhelming. I know you don't want to worship God. Yo, David, praise him. My soul. He's talking to himself. How do you talk to yourself when life hits you hard? You can condemn yourself. The death, life in tongue, life... Life and death are in the power of the tongue. The question is, how do you speak to yourself? When David was overwhelmed, he spoke life. I don't feel like worshiping you, God. I don't want to worship you. But soul, you're going to do it even if you don't want to do it. All my inmost being, from my toes to my unibrow. Everything's going to praise you this morning. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord. Someone say, my soul. Sometimes you got to talk to yourself more than once. Maybe you got to put a sticker on the mirror. Praise him today. Don't praise him for what he does. Praise him for who he is. And forget not all of his benefits. He helped you. He healed you. Remember how he broke that addiction? Remember when he redeemed your family? Remember how he set you free? Don't ever forget what God did. Don't ever judge him today what he didn't do tomorrow. Judge, remind him of what he did, where he brought you from, how you were addicted to weed and porn and you couldn't even look at your dad in the eyes because there was so much unforgiveness and he healed you. Don't ever forget what God did. Who forgives you of your sin and heals you of all your diseases, who redeems your life. You can sit in the negativity and pout like a child or you can be a Christian and say no more. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna live that way. Who crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things. Someone say good things. Everything that comes from God is good. Amen. Everything that comes from God is good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's strength. David's remembering, man, when I was in the field and my dad didn't even want me, God, you wanted me. When the king rejected me, you accepted me. When I had to protect the sheep against the lion and the bear and the tiger, oh my, you helped me. When I defeated Goliath, it was you. And he's reminding himself of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. He's not even talking about the negative, he's talking about the character of God. It's so easy to be negative. So easy to be like, oh my gosh, woe is me. It's what everyone does. Toxicity is toxic, it's part of our culture, it's an epidemic. Everyone's negative why I can't even stand CNN and Fox News. They're just hating the other side. And if you watch it long enough, you will hate the other side. I don't follow a donkey or an elephant. I follow a lamb. And what I want to do is I want to show you this prayer that David prayed and he prays it almost every time he's in the pit. And what I want to ask you is if you've heard this prayer before, raise your hand. If you're new to church, welcome. We created this church for people who who have never gone to church. Believe me, most of the people that started the church, we all got saved in our 20s. That's why we preach this way. That's why we dress this way. Because we want to create a place where not only Christians can come and explore God and grow in God, but unchurched people can come, ask the questions, who is God? Amen? So if you've heard this, raise your hand. If you haven't heard this before, don't worry. We'll get you a Bible. You'll read it one day. Psalm 103, verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. And here's the part. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Who's ever heard that before? Here's my question. Are you sure? Are you sure? Because let me show you another place. This is Psalm 86. But you, Lord, are compassionate and gracious, God, slow to anger, abounding in love, and faithfulness. Was it the first one you remember or the second one? Are you sure? How about this one? Psalm 145, the Lord is gracious. If I get the worship team to come up, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great mercy. Do you remember that verse? Are you sure? Was it the first one, second one, or third one? If you're confused, good. Because that's the point. Because that's what David's doing. When life hits him, he doesn't have to go run to the Bible. He just memorizes a verse and repeats it. In the 1980s, In the 1980s, there was a dude named Biggie Smalls. There's two camps in here, Tupac and Biggie. And your pastor is Biggie Smalls, okay? I know. Oh, it's okay. Maybe one day you'll develop taste. But Biggie Smalls, Biggie Smalls did something powerful. He took a song from the 70s, and he remixed it. What David's doing is he's taking someone else's prayer, and he's creating his own mixtape. Biggie Smalls was not the first one to sample someone. David was. David's the original gangster. And he stole it. He's not even that creative. He just stole it from God. This is Exodus 34, verse 5. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. Someone say, the Lord. His name is powerful. He's a provider, he's a healer, he's a protector, he's your shield. Amen, everybody, thankful for the names of God. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, this is God speaking to the third person, the Lord, me, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. David copied God. You may go to ChatGPT and have someone else write an essay for you. David went to the Bible and took God's prayer and made it his own. And when life hit him, when negativity came, he didn't sit in it. He meditated on God's word. And here's the principle. I want you to act like a cow. Turn to your neighbor and say, act like a cow. Now, I didn't say look like a cow or eat like a cow. So don't write me an email. But if you want to write me an email, my email is yasmin at bold.church, Okay. I love you, honey. I'm just kidding. But put this picture on the screen. See, cows do something in the physical that I want us to do in the spiritual. They ruminate. Someone say ruminate. They will spend seven to eight hours eating grass. What they'll do is they'll wake up in the morning and they'll eat some grass. And they'll chew on it for like half an hour. And they'll swallow it. And it's disgusting, but they'll vomit it back up. And they'll chew it on it again and then eat it again. I wish I could do that with my Taco Bell. (laughs) But what they're doing, what they're doing is they're pulling all the nutrients out. And what they do in the physical, David was doing in the spiritual. When life hit, you know what came out of David? The Lord is slow to anger. Compassionate. What comes out of you when life hits you hard? What's so beautiful about this is in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for meditate is the same word for ruminate. So literally, God wants you to chew on the scripture over and over again. Every week I've been sharing part of my brokenness, part of my depression, part of the journey of coming out of it. Two weeks ago, I talked about depression and how it took 18 months to come out. Last week, I talk, talked about the anxiety. Today, I want to, talk to tell you about, and this is just to help you on your journey, the negative thought that I would say every day until my wife called me out on it. And it was simply this. This church is dead. For those of you that are new, room full of people, you don't, you don't realize where we came from. You have no idea about the history of this church. We started five years ago with eight people on a couch, and we launched at the Hotel Valencia. Anybody remember those days? Anybody here when we went there? Yeah, 20 of you. You can get Gucci and Jesus in the same day. It was awesome. And within two years, God did more than we can ever ask, think, or imagine. It was crazy. We blew up to 200 people, and then COVID happened. And when we came back, we couldn't go back to the hotel. We actually couldn't go to any building in San Jose. For the last two years, all of 2021 and the vast majority of 2022, we did church at five o'clock. And it didn't matter how I preached, didn't matter how we sang, we could not grow this church. And my language started changing because I got stuck in the negativity. And I said this church is dead, and I would speak death over this place. And my wife's like, "Is it dead?" Or is how you think about it dead? You need a good wife that rebukes you, man. Thank God for Pastor Yasmin. And that negative thought was constantly, like I said, 80% of our thoughts are negative. And 95% of the thoughts we think today, we thought yesterday. So I had to begin to renew my mind. And I would meditate on these verses. Psalm 27. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness, someone say goodness, of the Lord in the land of the living. Not in heaven, here, on earth, in Silicon Valley, as it is in heaven. Romans 15, may the God of hope, someone say the God of hope. hope. He doesn't just have a little bit, he is the God of hope. And will fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope. Because you don't have it. But he's got so much, he's going to pour it over in your cup. By the power of his Holy Spirit. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Some of the best ways to trust God is to close your eyes at what you're seeing. I know your marriage looks dead. I know your business looks dead. I know you think that you will never buy a house. But if you want to see what God sees, you got to close your eyes. There's a difference between sight and vision. Vision, you have to close your physical eyes and you trust God. I don't see a church. I don't see it, God. For those of you that were here with us six months ago, I got in a wheelbarrow on the anniversary of our church. We're probably running 65, 70 people, and I did this <laughs> making wheelbarrows look good. I almost fell out and broke my head, by the way. But I got in a wheelbarrow by faith. Long sermon. go watch it, it's good. One of my bankers last year. <laughs> and I had to declare. By faith, someone say faith, faith. what I didn't see. Because I'd been meditating. I know we're in a broken situation. I know it's not ideal, but I want to speak life over this. God's going God's to do a, more than what we see. And I, I remember singing that wheelbarrow, and I said, We're going to reach not hundreds, but thousands. And people say, You're crazy. Who would have thought? We're on the verge in six months in being in this building, to see more people saved than we did in any other year of our church. Come on. And today, I, I believe either seven or nine people are going public with their faith. That's crazy. We've never baptized that many people. And what I want to do is I, I would take those verses and i turn them into prayers. And I want to do that with some of you. What's your toxic trait? What's your toxic thought? Maybe it's relational cynicism. With God's help, I will get rid of all bitterness and skepticism. I choose to believe. Someone say, believe. believe. The best about others and be kind and compassionate and loving. I will love and forgive others as Jesus has loved and forgive me. I better if I was if that was you, I'd pull out your phone and take a picture. Maybe your issue is negative filtering. God, by Your power, I take every thought captive. And make it obedient. Someone say obedient. Obedient. To the truth of Christ. Because you are good. I choose to think on what's good, right, true, helpful, and worthy of praise. As I trust in you, your peace will guard my heart, soul, and mind. Do you believe that? Someone say amen. amen. Maybe your toxic trait is absolute thinking. As Jesus loved and accepted me, I will love and accept others. Cancel culture ain't part of you, Jesus. Rather than always being right... I'm called to always be loving. Rather than making just a point, I choose to make a difference. In humility, I choose love to love others above myself. Maybe you find yourself always blaming others for your situation. God has given me a life and a mind of my own. By his grace, I will own my choices and choose God's best for me. I've been given everything I need to accomplish everything God wants me to do. In Christ. Someone say in Christ. Christ. By His power and by His blood and by His stripes and by His Spirit, I will overcome. Amen. I want to begin how I end how I started. What do you say when you talk to yourself? Because I promise you, no one in this room has had a scotch-free life, an easy life. Question is not: has life been difficult? Question is how did you respond? What's the story you tell yourself? David was overwhelmed, distressed, full of anxiety. And he went to God. And he acted like a cow. And he mixed God's songs like Biggie Smalls. Some of you in this room, I can't promise a, an easy life. But I can't promise you there's a way out that God will help break the negativity, that everything around you may be chaotic, but there's a God in heaven who can heal your broken mind. Amen? Amen. With every eye closed and every head bowed. Thank you, Jesus, for every person in this who can hear the sound of my voice. God, we pray that you would transform us by your spirit. For everyone in this room and watching online, maybe that's you this morning. You say, Pastor Ali, I'm stuck in a negative loop. I have negativity. I want to break it. That's you this morning. I want you to just, with every eye closed, every head bowed, just shoot your hand up. That's you. You're stuck in negativity. Just shoot your hand up. Shoot your hand up. God, I thank you for the people that want to be free. God, I pray that you would reveal to all of us in which areas we are most vulnerable. Show us, God. Help us to own it, to repent of it, And to turn to your word to renew our minds. Heal us, God. Change us. There are others of you this morning that you don't have a saving relationship with God. Let me quickly tell you 2,000 years ago, God left heaven, the infinite became finite, the king became a baby. He didn't come to give us a religion or a book, he came to die for our sins. Because the reality is all of us fall short. We all have negative thoughts. We've all turned away from God. And God, being a good father, didn't want any of his earthly children to die. So he sent Jesus, God, to become a man. Fully God, fully man. And Jesus died on a cross for our sin. That whoever believes in him, whoever places their faith in him, can be forgiven, can be saved he can come in and change your life that's you this morning if you've never prayed to receive Jesus your Lord and Savior with every eye closed and with every head bowed I want to count to three I want you to shoot your hand up one two three if that's you this morning just shoot your hand up that's you this morning amen I see your hand I see your hand I see your hand I want everyone to pray this prayer out loud thank you Jesus loving me for leaving heaven for me thank you Jesus that you died in my place you lived the life I didn't live and then you died the death I should have died I receive your gift of salvation I repent I turn I changed my mind about what is sin. Help me, Lord. Follow you. Help me break the cycle. Help me like David be in Theos. As much as I understand now, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Can we give it up for the hands that went up? Come on.
0: Hey, thank you so much for listening today. If you want to follow us on social media and just stay up to our current events, our social media handle is BoldChurchSV. That's BoldChurchSV for Silicon Valley. We hope you stay blessed and we'll see you soon.